Hello and welcome to the sophomore episode of King of Our Nightmares. I'm your host, Jeremy, and with me today is Noah, your other host. We're going to go into the spooky sequel to Carrie, Salem's Lot. There it is. I would have mine, but I unfortunately had to move to a new place, so forgive me for the bad audio, as well as not having my book, my three-in-one of Carrie, Salem's Lot, and The Shining on me. Um, I think I can point this out right before we start. I can do this with almost every episode. The German titles. I want yes, to let's get... German title for Salem's Lot. Brennen muss Salem, which means burn must Salem, which is grammatically incorrect in every <laughs> language. I mean, and it spoils... Some and it's boys. <laughs> All right. Salem's Lot. I got a couple of versions. Oh, okay. And this one. That looks like the Rocky Horror Picture Show cover. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> and this one we need to talk about because this has extra scenes in it. What? Yeah, as an extra, it's uh, deleted scenes. Huh. Okay, I didn't even know that was a thing he did. Oh, yeah. I think it was something limited, but, you know, it's pretty cool. Okay, yeah, I'm very curious, because the only time, two times I'm aware of him doing things, well, besides from Dance Macabre, uh, his essays, which change frequently, I don't even know how we're going to review that. Yeah, that's going to be... I have a first print of it, <laughs> and the audiobook's the last printing of it. <laughs> And I don't really want to read that twice, but anyway. Um, Salem's Lot. What a way to top Carrie. I mean, it didn't take much. Carrie, Carrie a fine novel, but a little disjointed. A little funky. And short. And short. This book's not short, but it's not as longest. Oh. I think it's about a... It's, I want to say it's about... like... 500 pages? Yeah. The audiobook's over 12 hours. I know that. Um, but, yeah. It's vampire story. It's mm. big vampire story, I should say. Because he does tackle vampires every once in a while. Yeah. A lot in short stories. Some of them in novels. And, like, some Doctor Sleep, you could say they are vampires. He does a little they're, they're, twist. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. And that actually references Salem's Lot. Oh, yeah. Which we should also mention. Salem's Lot, it's like Carrie, the book, it doesn't get a lot of references in other King books. But Salem's no. Lot, it's like that's what he references the most. And he should. It's a very good book. Oh, yeah. It's so shocking that he went from Carrie to Salem's Lot. And there isn't a book that's like in between in quality. Mm -hmm. um, because Salem's Lot, it just feels, it's, to, in my opinion, it's the greatest vampire novel ever written. Oh, I don't put it that high. For, yes, I don't care for Bram Stoker's Dracula uh, that much because I'm not a fan of first person diary entries. Even though Stephen King has done that. Mm -hmm. In fact, it was a, 
prequel to Salem's Lot that's a lot like that. Um, and the Historian, I will say, is a good novel with uh, that has deals with vampires, but Salem's Lot it scared me the first time I read it. It was so because it treats it's something I never thought of with vampires, which this is like. It feels like a zombie apocalypse in the small town. Or like, you, you'll see it, we'll also talk about this in The Stand with Captain Trips, where Stephen King's really good at like some sort of disease or something going through a town, where in The Stand's case, the world, essentially. Um, and he writes it so terrifying, because the town itself is a character in Salem's Lot, but let's actually get into the plot here. Okay, the plot is very simple, you know. Uh, we have this author, Ben Mears, who used to live in this town called Salem's Lot. And now years later, after his wife passed away in an accident, he returns to Salem's Lot. He meets a young woman named Susan Norton. They start a little relationship. And at the same time, there is a new guy in town. His name is Barlow. And Kurt nobody Barlow. has ever seen him. Kurt Barlow, yeah. And he moved into the old Marston house, which is this big house towering over the city, which I think there's even a picture of in here. Wait. Yeah. Ooh, okay. And he has an assistant called... What's his name? Straker. Straker, yeah. And they pretend to be like, you know, they sell like... Antiques. Old, antiques, old stuff. Antiques and uh, very expensive furniture in this, it's a tiny town. Mm -hmm. A lot like the town I grew up in, which is why I, I think I like this book so much. It reminds me a lot of where I grew up and the weird things that happen in small towns. Mm -hmm. um, and that's basically what we get here because so these characters move into the city. Ben Mears, Kurt Barlow and Strecker. And soon, a lot of bad stuff happens. You know, a child is gone missing. You know, a, a dog gets killed in the cemetery. In, in, in a very gruesome way. Another child dies. And mm -hmm. the, the... But they don't die. Well, the, the first one dies, and one of the I, I'm shocked. In a modern Stephen King, he would have lingered on it more. But mm -hmm. at the time, I think it was because his children were so young, he didn't do it. Possibly. But this child's essentially sacrificed. Yep. Um, so, and well, also, oh, go on. Yeah, I just wanted to say with the story, then we get a lot of like side stories, I would say, about this town, about the people living in it. Before we go into the big plot, when it turns out, Barlow, this new guy, is a vampire. Mm -hmm. A very old one. Mm -hmm. Which we don't really get into in this book, but in Dark Tower, Wolves of the Kala, we get into the vampire myth, the Stephen King vampire mythos. Um, but that was something... So I need to. So I read this. This is one of the first Stephen King books I read. 
because I saw the Toby Hooper miniseries. And that series is awful. Maybe the one of the worst things Toby Hooper ever directed. Oh, man. Um, I, I hated it. It's not as bad as the remake series, though. Yeah, I, the, remake I ser- the remake series. The only thing it's got for uh, is doing for it is a uh, they cut uh, they cast Rucker Hauer as Barlow, and I think that is wonderful casting. But they gave him a soul patch because it was the early two thousands, mm-hmm. and he crawls around on the ceiling. Oh, and and in the old Toby Hooper series, Barlow looked like like Nosferatu. Uh, and it looks stupid, and he doesn't really talk. Yeah. Uh, and so Striker talks for him. What? So, especially those early, some of the early Stephen King adaptations, they just mess with pivotal things to the story. Mm-hmm. We'll also talk about that with The Shining. Oh yeah, that's oh, that's infamous for it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is going to be a whole controversial thing when we talk about that. Everyone mm-hmm. getting mad. Um, yeah. Anyway. I, I lost my train of thought. Um, so a few people kind of ba- band together to fight the vampires. But they don't want to believe it. It's the uh, high school English teacher. Uh, his doctor... Ben Mears and our child protagonist of this book. I keep wanting to call him Jake. It's not Mark. 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 About the same age as Jake and Jack. Yeah. And just about every child in a Stephen King book. Yeah, he's pretty much the prototype. Yeah. Which I want yeah, which I wanted to mention with this book. I already said it with like Carrie, like that's like most of the Stephen King cliches we know today are already established in Carrie. Mm-hmm. It's also in here. Like we have, yeah. again, Mark Petri is like the prototype. We have the small town that gets like described in detail and then destroyed yeah. at the end, which we kind of had in Carrie, but this is, you know, way more in detail this, and stuff. Yes. And then um, we have an alcoholic character, which we will get into because that's the best character. And then we have a main character who's an author. And we even have like the, this author having like an, a car accident, a motorcycle accident in this case, which is mm-hmm. weird because this yeah, was obviously the seventies. Yeah. Long before Stephen King's incident. Um, I, I wanted to point some things out in this because I, after reading this, I watched a bunch of Stephen King interviews from different decades. Mm-hmm. And one of them was after he wrote Insomnia, so in the 90s. And he talks about the sexuality of his early books. And we get it in this. But I think it's done tactfully. I Not super tactfully, because it was the 70s. He was very much a product of the, the sort of counterculture that was going on. Books had, really, from what I've heard from people who were really into him in the 70s, it was like a cult following. The the Stephen King craze in his heyday. 
Um, and I don't know. I think I think now he does grosser sexual things in his mo- in like the 2010s work specifically. Yeah. So it's so abrasive. This it, it serves the story fine. Uh, he has a he has a line in this that I I've always found funny, which is when Ben Mears meets uh, his. Well, I'll just call her his girlfriend's uh, dad, and they're talking, and he's like talks about how you can't really get along with someone when you're deflowering their daughter. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> Just fight that so, so to the point. But um, something I want to bring up is the Marston House. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Marston House is a place of evil, and it's in- basically like again a prototype for The Shining, which I noticed because the way it's described in here, like a house that can like. What did you say? Like keep the energy, the bad energy of the bad stuff that happened in there. Yes, it's that's very much the plot of The Shining, of the old. Yeah, it it also reminds me of the house at the. Is that a house or a hotel at the end of Talisman? Oh yeah, it's well. It wasn't hotel, I think. Yeah, which minus the spider that that calls uh, Jack a thief. That throws a tantrum. <laughs> that that bizarre thing, little tangent. Um, but with the 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 house is it, um, so the thing with the house is that uh, the Marstons had a murder suicide in the house. To I get now you're gonna have to help me with this because mm-hmm. this confused me. Okay. Wanna, did they do it for Barlow? Or is it because the house itself is evil? And I say this because the short story Jerusalem's Lot exists. Yes. Okay, so what we know from the book, Hubert Marston was clearly insane. And the book mm-hmm. states like People know he killed his wife in the kitchen. <laughs> he shot her. What they didn't know, his wife was begging him to shoot her. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting, but it's not expanded upon what it means. And later on, Barlow says he learned about Salem's lot and this, you know, this whole town and stuff, and decided to move there because he was in contact with Hubert Marston. Mm-hmm. And this is something I noticed. It mentions when Mark and Susan go into the house, there is a book bound in like leather or stuff written in Latin. I think that's this book, De Vermis Mysteries or whatever it's called, from Jerusalem's lot. Yes. It's like this Lovecraftian Necronomicon kind of book. Uh, yeah. I think it might be you know, a little reference, maybe. Yeah, so, the, that... Yeah, Jerusalem's Lot's a great short story. We won't really get into it, as well as the other short story that acts as a pseudo-sequel to Salem's Lot in this, because they're both a night shift. And we'll be getting into night shift in the not-too-distant 
a couple books from now, I do believe. Yeah. I think it's post The Stand, though. I, no, I think it's before The Stand. It's Salem's Lot, Shining, Rage, Night Shift. We're getting some comments here uh, that I want to just address for those of you who just listened to the podcast portion. Cody A. Sparks says hello. We say hello back. Hello. I speak I speak for Noah now, obviously. Yeah. That was the most pretentious way of saying it. And Small Time joins us and says hello. In the Dark Tower, there is an evil place called the Dutch Hill Mansion. I'm not sure if there is any connection with it here. In the words of Stephen King, all things connect to the bean. <laughs> but I will say at this point in Stephen King's writing, the Dark Tower did not connect to anything yet. I don't even think he was writing it yet. Or if he had, he hadn't published it in that magazine. No, not yet. I don't think and Cody Spark A Sparks asks if we're going to cover under the dome again uh, next. No, we're doing these in publication order, so it'll be a little while before we tackle the behemoth that is under the dome. Um, so anyway, let's get back into it. Um, part of my love for this book is. The chap, the really long chapters that are about the town and breaking up the daily life of the town versus what happens when the vampires start infecting everyone. Yeah. Because that's terrifying to me. Because, um, like, we get, like, not everyone's a good person in this town. We got the woman that beats up the baby. We got the bus driver, which I want to talk about. We got the about. bus driver that hates the kids. And like accuses them of things and kicks them off his bus. We got one of my favorite characters of all time, the the guy who runs the dump. Yeah, that shoots the rats, and like has he's like a weird. Well, he's kind of a weird sex pervert. Mm. He has a thing like he hates this high school girl because she thinks he's a slut, but like he also has like a thing for her. Ruthie Crockett's her name. And she has like next to no character except for no one likes her. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, we got the uh, the guy Noah's age that's sleeping with the dude's wife. Which leads to a great scene. Which leads to a great scene that ten years later he, it would have been a pervert scene. Actually, not even. The stand has something similar in it. Mm. Uh, yeah. But... Well, do we want to just talk about that scene? Yeah, sure. Go kind ahead. Of wonderful. So, this is a super digression from the plot. But it's to establish the town. Uh, this guy's been sleeping with this dude's wife for a while and the husband comes home and like makes him put the shotgun in his mouth and so he like pisses and shits himself yeah and then he like falls unconscious when he like pulls the trigger and it's empty 
Yeah. And then he, he's one of the ones coaxed by Barlow to become a vampire. Yeah, to get revenge on this guy. To get revenge. And that's that's what Barlow does initially is he turns people that want revenge. Um, and that's how he starts to affect the town. But we haven't even talked about Weasel yet. Oh, one yeah. of the greatest characters. Weasel, the drunk that lives at the... So Ben Mears is staying at this boarding house. Um, Eva's. Eva Miller is a widow and she just has... Uh, she turned her house into a boarding house. And so it's kind of like a hotel for people. And Ben Mears stays there. And her uh, old fling, Weasel, lives there. And he's a big alcoholic. But he's like a nice guy. But he's mm-hmm. a drunk. Uh, he's just wonderful. Yeah. He has a scene where he passes out next to a urinal while a guy's taking a piss. <laughs> and they have to drag him out and into the car. Yeah. It's just wonderful. It's just Stephen King wrote himself in as an elderly person if he kept drinking. Yeah. <laughs> oh, weasel. But yeah, you care about all these uh, characters. And so when they get all turned and murdered, then you, you really care. Even Father Callahan, who, if I have one complaint, it's that Callahan didn't get enough in this book to do. I agree. Like, when he's yeah. introduced, he's immediately an, an interesting character, but then, you know, chapters go by, and he's not in there, he's not in there, and then he returns. And he gets, he gets like, a couple of scenes, but not he, he's He's the Catholic priest, He's uh, who's also an alcoholic, and he's losing his faith in the church. And he ends up having probably the greatest scene of the book. His fight, the, his fight with Barlow, uh, which I like because it's like subverting expectations. Yes, it is. It is this epic thing? And the first time reading, I'm like, "Why is this happening now?" Because I'm expecting the Exorcist. You know, mm-hmm. like this is the this is the climax of the book. Oh no! Oh no! No. Um, Be- because what you think would happen with the way Callahan's character is like set up? Okay, he's a alcoholic priest. He's losing his faith, and now he has to fight against this vampire, and he mm-hmm. finds his his faith again. Yes, and then he defeats the vampire. You know, character arc. Nope. <laughs> he gets he fucking dis- wrecked. He gets he gets disgraced, and he has to leave town. He can't even set foot in the church. He's tainted. Oh yeah, there's the great scene when he tries to open the door to the church, and it just burns mm-hmm. his hand. Mm-hmm. Which, this will be the last time we see Callahan. He will return in he Avengers will. Infinity War. <laughs> Turned to dust. Yeah. The end game. Yeah. We will even see him before the Dark Tower. Yes, we will. In a very... Let's just say in a book you would not expect it at all. Yeah. It's a Bachman, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. It's a Bachman I haven't read. Hmm. So that's going to be interesting. Yeah. When we finally get to books I've not actually read. Yeah. Because you've read everything, right? Correct. Even Wendy? Especially Wendy. 
even Gwendy. Just <laughs> like the greatest of all characters. The weirdest of all trilogies. I can't wait to, for Gwendy to show up in Salem's lot. Gwendy's final task. No, when no, Mars she goes into space and saves the Dark Tower. <laughs> this is not even a joke. She's literally going to space in the third book. <laughs> she also returns to Derry and fights it. Yeah. I, which I is also not a joke. Man. Yeah, gotta love Gwendy, the greatest of all the characters. Anyway, uh, can we can we talk about the the end of this book? Sure. Oh, you mean oh, you mean the title? Yeah. So there's a, a fire that happened in the fifties mm -hmm. in in Salem's Lot. Okay. Well, we gotta establish because sometimes it's Salem's Lot, and sometimes it's Jerusalem's Lot. Yeah, so the Which full name of the city is Jerusalem's Lot, and they mm -hmm. call it Salem's Lot for short, or the Lot. Yes. <laughs> Which was very funky. Um, so, basically, most if anyone, the people who survived mostly give up on the town they leave. Because the town's dead in more ways than one. And Ben, our, our, our surviving two characters come and they decide, huh, we're going to we're gonna have to smoke these guys out. And they set the town on fire. Once again, that's how it ends. It's so, it's uh, so abrupt. Yep. Because you expect yeah. them to be like vampire hunters, you know, hunt them down maybe. But no, their idea is pretty good. Just like, let's burn it down. You know, this is so going to do our hide. job. Mm -hmm. So, Which we later learn didn't work perfectly. Of course, yeah. But that's for a story for another time. So there's been a couple adaptations of Salem's Lot. We've talked about them briefly. Toby Hooper directed one in the 70s, I want to say. Yeah, it's, I think it was like shortly after the book came out. I think it's funky. It's post him doing Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, I don't like it. I haven't seen it. I think it's, I thought you were going to watch that one. I wanted to. I didn't have the time. I will still oh. look into it. Definitely. It's because I think the earlier King adaptions, like even the ones that we are not the biggest fans of, <clears throat> Shining, they yeah. still have something good in them. Like they were made by like filmmakers. When you look at some of the King adaptions today, which are mostly garbage, with one or two good ones sprinkled in. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, Brian De Palma directed Carrie, uh, the original Carrie. Toby Hooper directed Salem's Lot, and then we had Kubrick, Stanley Kubrick directed And we, the have, we have David Cronenberg with like uh, Dead Zone, and like George and... Romero with The Dark Half, and you had like actual filmmakers. Wait, George Romero this... directed The Dark Half? I'm pretty sure he did. He directed Creep Show. Yeah. And uh, uh, John Carpenter directed Christine. Correct. 
because he needed money. Yeah. Because the thing bombed. <laughs> oh, did, did, you, did you know they are currently like in talks for a remake of Christine? Wait, what is there left to do? I don't know. I wish they would just adapt like Stephen King books just, that hadn't been just adapted. Just put yet. the Junkin stuff in. It's <laughs> about all I can think of. There's a few things, but they were like quirky things in the book that wouldn't work in a movie. Mm -hmm. Like John Carpenter left them out. <laughs> but that, that's a, that's for another time. Christine, a very peculiar book. Yeah, but with Salem's um, Lot, the adaptions we got. The, the we original got by Toby Hooper, it got a sequel, Return to Salem's Lot. It's bad. Like most, like most it's not as bad as Pet Cemetery 2. <laughs> it's, it's bad. Uh, and then they remade it in the early 2000s. Yeah. Uh, and good cast, I will say. Rob Lowe as Ben Mears. It's, mm -hmm. it's interesting. For a TV cast, it's, it's a finely acted thing but it's it's just crap the, the one thing going for it is that Rucker Hauer it was the perfect casting for Barlow hmm. in my opinion and they messed it up <laughs> because they, they tried to make it like 13 ghosts at times the remake of 13 hmm. ghosts I should say and this, no 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 that was that era, I think. That was the end of that era where they just made a made-for-TV or a mini-series of every Stephen King book they could get their hands on. Yeah. And he, Stephen King, like greenlit all of them, and they were like almost all crap. The it's the the exception. That's because the acting's good in it. But like, you got your Langoliers, you got the the remake of The Shining. Uh, you got Golden Years. Tommy Knockers, Golden Years, The Stand, Ooh, the stand which oh, um, I want to talk about that adaption in detail when we do the book, because that's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Oh, it's so corny. Can I just say it now? There was one scene with like Randall Flagg in the miniseries where he's like destroying a vase and there's like this pottery break sound effect that's like a cliche. And he's like, oh, I hate this thing. <laughs> It's so bizarre. stupid. Um, Small Time says the CGI in the Langoliers was rough. Yeah. Oh my, I think I laughed out loud when you first see them. Which I can't remember what the Langoliers is in. Uh, just the short story? It's in yeah. Four Past Midnight. Okay. Um, let's see, what else? What else did they do? They are currently talking about making a mini-series out of the short story Jerusalem's Lot. That's like a, a one-episode thing for a creep show they could do. Yeah, But it's not a morality tale, so it wouldn't quite work. Yeah, I mean, I can see how you maybe could expand it in like a mini-series, like let's say six episodes or something, but I don't know what they're planning to do. Yeah, you have to invent your own stuff, but I can see how they would take this as a basis, like this uh, Haven TV show, which just used Colorado Kid as like a basis for it. But 
you know, did it I don't know how they got that many se- seasons out of Colorado Kid, but <laughs> I don't know. Uh, is that all we got? On For Salem's Lot? Did we mention the short story epilogue? We said we're gonna review it in detail later, but let's just say it takes place I... obviously after the town has been burned down, mm-hmm. and some characters arrive in the winter and they are stuck near the city, not in the city. And we just learn, yeah, vampires are still a problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, I, I really want to talk about wolves of the Kala, but we can't, we can't do that here. Yeah. That's, 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 open, that's like a three hour talk. <laughs> that's a good book. Yeah. Um, Salem's Lot, though, that's a it's a solid, like, it's a great I think it's a great starter Stephen King book. Yeah, you get pretty yeah. much everything. And you don't get all the rapey. No, not yet. Not yet. We haven't that hit the yet. That okay, is- let me quickly check then with the deleted scenes if we are almost done. Yeah, because- yeah, I'm curious because I didn't know this existed. Yeah, I think I only read some of them uh, years ago when I first bought this. I think that was like 2014, 15 ish. Mm-hmm. Oh, so it has like little, it says um, in the chapter Salem Slot 1, uh, Ben is looking at the Marston house. And then there's like a couple of paragraphs of Ben thinking about it. Uh, there is an extra scene in the hospital with, like, Danny Glick. Hmm. Which is interesting. This is a real good podcast right here. Yeah, I mean... You mentioned the audio of this. <laughs> yeah, just, the shuffle of pages. Yeah, the, that's, what, that's what people want. Then there is a chapter, Salem Slot number two. Um, something in between the Callahan segment and the one about Matt, uh, the teacher. Yeah. About the city itself. Oh, it goes a little bit more into detail with, like, you know, the citizens. Uh, A scene with Matt and Dr. Cody. There's a lot of stuff in here. Oh, God, we didn't even talk about... what. Dr. Uh, Cody's death. Oh, yeah. I think that's in here as like an alternative version, but yeah, go ahead. Where he, he, the Barlow's hiding in he, uh, the, um, well, actually, I won't spoil that. It uh, just know it's brutal um, and shocking. It's very shocking. It's very abrupt, too. Like, it's very yes. out of nowhere. There's a few deaths in here that are a bit on the shocking side. Yeah, but because... I think... Steve... Oh, go on. He, uh, Dr. Cody, he doesn't die because of the vampires in that way? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I will say, Stephen King did what he set out to do, which was mix... do his take on Dracula... 
and the vampires from the EC comics. Mm-hmm. I think it's fine work. Any closing thoughts? I think this book is great. What I especially like, it's not too much. Like, it really takes its time establishing the city before it brings in the vampires. And the vampires are actually, like, kind of barely in it. Mm -hmm. Because we mostly get, like, the people transforming into the vampires when they are sick, you know, and can't go into the sunlight. And then only at the end, like, the last hundred pages, maybe, it really goes into, okay, let's let's get Barlow, let's finish him off. And then they have yeah. to do the vampires in the city. So I really like it. I think it's a very good book. Definitely better than Carrie, which was already very good, like we said. Yes. Yeah, it is pretty much the essential beginner's book. If you are new to Stephen King, you want to check him out. In terms of his old books, like that's a, that's a pretty good starting point. Yes, the golden age of King. Oh, yeah. We haven't hit the 80s yet. So the 80s has got some good stuff. We start to... I I would say the 90s were the point where... Well, the 90s is when the dumpster fire began. Yeah. But, yeah, we'll get to that. Anyway, hope you all have a good evening. And... We'll be right back with another podcast. You're live streaming with us. Have a good one. Goodbye.